you know, we can't do anything about six months from now. We've got to go day by day. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness. There's going to be some griminess. But we're leaving it within the line, and I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your aforementioned host, Art Stapleton, and after a 10-day road trip, taking the show on the road, we are back home, and there's no better place to be when the holidays roll around, back home with family, and there are four games left in this season and there were a lot of people who believe the Giants are going nowhere fast. That's what the standings say. Unfortunately, that's what the performance said on the field Sunday against the Chargers at SoFi Stadium. This week's show, one of the few bright spots from Sunday's game in a homecoming for the kid from Compton, Eli Penny, Giants fullback slash running back slash special teams ace, Penny joined me on Wednesday, and we talked about a bunch of different things. I think you'll enjoy his story. He's really a a long shot to be in this league for one year, let alone going on five years under contract for another year with the Giants moving forward. He's really one of the best personalities on the team, well-liked and respected really across the aisle, offense, defense, and special teams. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview with Eli this week. He scored a touchdown on Sunday, also ran in for two. It was a big day for the Penny brothers, Rashad in Seattle. I talked about that with Eli. So again, one of my favorite interviews that we've done so far this year, and I hope you enjoy it. And we have to get to Sunday's game. Obviously, the Giants are back home having won three games in a row at MetLife Stadium, which really is a rarity that they're actually winning games at home. But at 4-9, and nine, now they have to take on the kingpin of the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. Anytime the Giants play the Cowboys, we know there's bad blood. There was a little bad blood after the previous meeting back in October in Arlington at Jerry World. The final score was 44-20. to That was the game, I'm sure you recall, that the Giants lost Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Kenny Galladay in the first half. They will not have Daniel Jones on Sunday, barring a miracle. He is still not cleared for contact from that neck injury. Talk about that a little later on. Saquon Barkley did not practice on Wednesday. That ankle is still nagging him. I do believe it'll be maintenance, and he'll be back out there getting ready for the Cowboys. Uh, So that'll be a surprise if he does not play. Kadarius Toney on the COVID list for the second time happened to him when he tested positive before training camp in the summer. And then the Giants learned on Monday that Toney has also tested positive again. So... His status is up in the air. Also, we learned on Wednesday, John Ross and O'Shane Zimenez have both tested positive for COVID as part of this 
really overwhelming number of positive tests in the NFL this week coming out of the weekend of games. Uh, So the Giants on the low end of players who are ending up on COVID reserve. We'll just have to see how that plays out. Two things to watch. Xavier McKinney, who is unvaccinated, and Aaron Robinson are both listed as close contacts. So their availability, as long as they stay negative, testing negative without any symptoms, they should be okay to play on Sunday. If they have symptoms, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they continue to test out of the protocols. That's where the Giants are at. So without any further ado, before we break down the Giants-Cowboys game, I want to get to my interview with Eli Penny. So as always, today's show is brought to you by Tipico, Tipico Sportsbook. A global sports betting leader is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. For a limited time, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply 21 and over. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Now that we had our message from our friends at Tipico, it's time for Elijah Penny. All right, time to welcome into our luxurious podcast studio on the patio at the Giants facility, Very luxurious. <laughs> Eli Penny. Uh, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, tell me, first off, you've got a unique NFL journey to get to this point. But I wanted to start with a name because I went back and I looked at some videos back from your early days uh, in the NFL. Tell me about what the name Jared Baker meant to you. Oh, wow. Wow. That's crazy. Okay, so Jared Baker. So how I went was I was a, a, tri- I was a trial guy and Jared Baker was the guy that they signed. And, um, no disrespect to him. He, he was a great player. He's from Los Angeles as well. And, you know, you know, it's, it's business. It's nothing personal. I just remember that weekend we both was uh, trying out for a team. I just wanted to look, make sure I looked better than him and everything I pretty much did. So, you know, that was, you know, kind of like my whole thing with Jared. But, you know, that's <laughs> but, crazy. Man. But that was – so your, your rookie year, yes. obviously your tryout at – at the Cardinals, and it was rookie minicamp, right? When you and Jared, Jared, they signed right after. He's from the University of Arizona, right? Yeah. A little irony off of last week exactly. when I found the name. Right. But you had the singular mindset, right? That it didn't matter who else was on the field. It was yeah. just basically you against Jared. Yeah, pretty much me against. Well, what was told to me was that like it was me against Jared, and then like some linebackers, some uh, tight ends. So you know, I just wanted to make sure that I looked better than. Uh, Pretty much everybody that I knew would kind of just, you know, figure that be my competition for a special team spot or a spot on the roster or even a practice squad. So Jared and other guys were like guys that I, you know, just was like just trying to make sure I look better than just more explosive, finishing runs, catching the ball very well. And then just showing like light feet for my size because I know that like that. At that time, right. Uh, now, I'll get to what what the Cardinals called in a video with you the big lie, which I, I thought oh, was very yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. But before we get to that, describe to me 
at a rookie minicamp in that situation when you're an undrafted guy? You were like in a separate locker room, right? Yeah. I mean, guys walk past you. What was that like? We was in, so we was like in the JV locker room, is what <laughs> I call it. So we was in the JV locker room. Then they had the guys, the real guys, in the big locker room. You know, and um, yeah, that weekend, you know, we uh, they had us in that locker room, and it was just kind of like. What happened was at the end of camp, we were just all kind of like, you know, saying our goodbyes to each other. And, uh, you know, uh, Mike Ayupati, who was, was Idaho, he came in the room. He uh, gave me a couple dollars, you know, it was all like, hey, man, congratulations. And, you know, I was like, okay, got like 400 bucks. I didn't look at this, my sign, signing bonus. So, you know, that happened. And then uh, the, I forget who came downstairs, but one of the front office guys came downstairs and was like, Elijah. Everybody looking at me like, oh, you about to get signed. You about to get signed. I'm like, nah, don't say that yet. Just just relax, you know? And then, you know, I went upstairs and, you know, the rest is his. So I laughed about the big lie. Let's get to that. Now, you, you take me back a couple weeks, right, to the draft. Okay. They call you afterwards, right? You don't mm-hmm. hear your name, but you get the invite. Yeah. But your mom and a couple other family members wanted to know what was going on. And yeah. the big lie was? So the big lie was that, uh, it wasn't even a lie. I just wanted to make sure my mom was like, I just wanted to secure a feeling. So, but it was technically a lie. So <laughs> what happened was that, uh, so I was, you know, I was expecting, you know, out of Idaho, I was, I had a pretty good senior season, pretty, two good, pretty good seasons coming from junior college. So, you know, I had some teams actually telling me like, okay, you go fifth round, you go sixth round, you go seventh round. So I'm thinking I'm going to be like a third day guy, you know, day one and two, it was like, all right, I'm not going to, just being realistic with myself. I'm like, this is not going to happen these days. So. Day three come, uh, I get a couple calls, the Jets, the Saints. Uh, yeah, like, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna mess with you with this pick right here. Then I see another guy get picked. And then another team say, oh, we're going to get you right now. And then they right. pick another guy. So I'm like, yo, what's going on? So we do a big old draft party at my mom's house at the time. We do a big old draft party. And I just pretty much, like, I was over it. I went into the my mom's room. I closed the door, locked the door, and I just was, like, just had my face in the pillow. Like, wow, this is kind of embarrassing, you know? Got all these people here, and... I don't even get a phone call, you know. And then after the draft, I didn't get an undrafted free agent contract either. So I was just kind of waiting, you know, for a couple hours to, you know, at least get a, a tryout. So, you know, um, so what happened was that this is why I say it wasn't a lie, but it was a lie. So <laughs> I go, I call, I'm talking to my agent, and then he's like, um, hey, man, not the day we expected, you know, da 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 da. da. And then he's like, uh, but. The Cardinals and the Jets want you to try out. And I was like, all right, I guess, like, you know. So my cousin, my cousin, this dude is always hyped for everything. He overdoes everything. So it was just like, you know, I came back and he, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the Cardinals. So he, like, he's hugging me and he's pulling me in the house like, the Cardinals, everybody. Like, you know, <laughs> hey, he going to the Cardinals. And everybody in the house went crazy. So I'm like, oh, man, they don't even know this is a tryout. So. When I seen my mom, my mom just like broke down crying because she saw me crying. And I'm just like, man, this is man, this is crazy. Like this, I'm not even, you know, I'm not even, I ain't even signed a contract. I'm just right. want to go try out. So, you know, at the time, you know, she was crying tears of joy and I didn't want to break that moment for her. Like, so, you know, I kind of meant everything to her to see her son, like get picked up on the team. So I didn't want to just be like, mom, I didn't get drafted. Like this is a tryout. So I just pretty much rolled with it. And I was all like, I had it in my head and I was like, you know what? I took my fiance. We went to the beach that night, and I was like, "Look, I'm about to go try for the team, and I'm not coming back home." So 
you know, just prepare for that. So you were confident in yourself, but I got to imagine you thought yeah. a little oh, bit about man. what it was going to be like to have to tell mom. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I, and that was on my mind the whole time, that whole weekend. Like, you know, what am I going to tell my mom if I don't make it? Like, what do I say? Like, you know, like my dream just, I, I came up short or I don't know. So that's what really, that, like, that was my, like, real motivation of me like really making the squad just making my mom happy because like you know i just seen the tears of joys in her face and i was just like i can't like i can't let that down so i just went hard and that was may 2016 and here we are standing december of 2021 and elijah penny scored a touchdown in los angeles on sunday now i know the game result was not what you wanted but the homecoming Back-to-back years, obviously, last year was a lot different with yes. COVID, no fans. But the emotions of Sunday, were you able to kind of compartmentalize and look and say, I'm just, number one, we wanted to win, we didn't get that. But also what it meant to you and your family to have them there? Definitely. You know, you always want to win as a professional athlete, you know, going out there, just putting in the week, the, the work throughout the week, the process and stuff like that. You want to get the dub. But uh, for me, it was just special to have family and friends just come out to, you know, to watch me because, like, um, I try to inspire my friends, my uh, family members, younger kids. And, you know, I like to inspire people and just for generations to come, it's kind of like why I play the game. So, uh, you know, for me, just having my family and stuff there, it meant everything. Having my sons there, my kids there, um, my parents, fiance, everybody, like my whole family was there. So and then for them to see me score a touchdown, in my hometown, it's just, it was just big. And then I had to do a little dance from because, you know, at our little family parties, we always dance. And so, you know, I figured I'd give them something to laugh about and talk about, you know. Is that what it was, the dance from a, a dance that you guys have done in family yeah, party? We, yeah, it's a family dance. So, you know, they, they enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. My son wanted me to do the robot next time. I'm like, nah, I ain't doing the robot. So all your family and close friends are there at the game except for one pretty important person. And that's Rashad. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, Rashad. your brother, your, your younger brother who's playing for the Seahawks, and he goes out and gets 137 yards and two touchdowns right, in right. the early window of the right. game. How much did you know what was going on with Seattle before your game, before you went out there on the field? So uh, so what happened was I was getting so prepared for my game. I actually thought they started the same time we started. So I really wasn't even, like, you know, tuned in. It wasn't until we were on a bench and uh, – I, we were on the bench, me and Booker, and then uh, and Saquon. They're like, damn, we look, we look at the jumbo trying. They're like, damn, your brother going off. So I'm like, <laughs> like, during the middle of the game, that gave me some extra juice, you know? Like, I was like, okay, this is a family thing today. I scored a touchdown. He got two with 137. So, you know, it just gave me a little bit more juice, a little bit more motivation, and it was cool to see him doing his thing. That was that was great. And it, going into that game, I got to admit, we were in the press box trying to find who the last tandem of brothers were going to score touchdowns in the league. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, the closest we got was probably Peyton, Peyton and Eli. Yeah. I would yeah. think that, but we couldn't dig deep enough. So uh-huh. it's it's pretty rare for you guys to be able to do, do that. Do that on the yeah, it is. Man. I can only imagine how my parents feel. I know they, you know, they happy that you know both of us doing our thing. And from the opposite end of the spectrum too, right? I mean, yeah. you're the undrafted guy, and he's the guy. Who came in with exactly. all the fanfare exactly so that's I, man i tell people that all the time like man me and my brother it's like our journeys is like you know totally different like you know he he went first round and i didn't and i tell people i didn't even get an undrafted contract so i'm at the you know i started from the bottom you know so it, it's just 
you know, so when people come and talk to us about like our younger friends from the neighborhood or something, come ask us questions, you know, about certain things, it's like, all right, you can talk to him about that, and then you can talk to me about this because my journey was a little bit different than Rashad's, you know. So, how many schools was it after high school before you finally got to <laughs> Idaho? I went to, uh, I went to, how do you know that? That's crazy. I went to a lot of junior colleges. I went to uh, College of Sequoias from the beginning. And then when I came home from College of Sequoias, I went to Orange Coast College. And then I left Orange Coast College, and then I went to uh, Compton College, which is kind of like by the house. Left Compton College, and then I ended at Cerritos College, which led me to University of Idaho. And Cerritos is where you lit it up a little bit before yeah. you ended up going to Ohio, yes, uh, Idaho. Yes, sir. Um, obviously, you're you're not supposed to be in this league. We've, we've written all this stuff about and talked about everything that's been a part of your journey. But you're also a fullback and a special teamer. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not easy to latch on as a tryout. How have you done it? What if somebody comes to you and says to you, Eli, how do you make it happen? What do you say? I would just tell people like, uh, for me, I, I, t- I tell people durability is the best ability. Availability is the best ability. So, you know, with me just being available and then just being versatile at that too, being able to play running back, some snaps at running back, even lining up some tight end sometimes, special teams, fullback. I, I tell I would tell people like just being available and just making yourself versatile. Don't try to like, you know, uh, be like, yeah, I'm a halfback, so this is what I do. I don't want to do nothing else. Like, nah, man, just you know, you know, open your open your eyes up and try to see the bigger things and, and what you can do and what you can bring to a team. So, you know, I would say uh, availability and just being durable, and then uh, on top of that, just being a good dude, being a good teammate to your team, and you know. Being a good dude to people on the staff, on the staff, janitors, everybody, man. That's that's my advice. You're in your second regime here. Obviously, you were here with, with Coach Shermer, and, and now you're here with Coach Judge. Um, and you've endured a lot of losing here. This mm-hmm. franchise has. Yeah. Do you feel today, as you're standing here under this, you know, coaching staff, that it's it's a different direction that you can see where this team is headed? Because for a lot of people following this team, it's hard for them to separate yeah. the losing from the past. How do you do it? So how, how do I do it? Is I just try to, like, I, I try to, like, just keep in mind, like, what Coach Judge, what he's about. He always speaks about long-term, long his vision for, you know, long-term, longevity, the long-term for the team. So, you know, I just kind of, like, keep keep in mind what he tells us. And then, and then I watch our, our team, like, how we react to certain situations, like, like we lost, we lost on Monday, but the guys still come out here and they put in work, and you know, uh, from the top guys down to the bottom guys. So when I just look at things like that and seeing how the team reacts to certain things when we when we take tough losses, those close losses that we have, and everybody everybody that comes back out here and work the, the following week, I just look at those things and I, that let me know that like you know we heading in the right direction as long as we keep the you know keep our morale up and keep the good guys in in the locker room and just you know just keep on. You dying, you dying to turn this thing around, aren't you? Oh man, what? This is the reason why I came when I came back when I was a free agent. It's because like I wanna, I wanna be a part of something that you know that um, that you know what what not always not doing good, and then you know we had turn it around, especially with the players we got here. Like I wanna have those seasons with uh, Saquon. I wanna see him rush for two thousand yards. I wanna see Daniel do great. I wanna see. Kenny do great. I want to be a part of something special with these guys because I've been through a lot with these guys, and I just want to see them all succeed, and I, I just want to be a part of it. All right, t- let's do some fun real quick. I know you, you got to run, so I appreciate you taking me the time before in between meetings and stuff. Uh, usually do a two-minute drill, but um, 
just just a, just fun stuff. If you for football wise, who's the toughest guy you've ever blocked? Um, the toughest guy I ever blocked. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, I would say that guy from the Raiders. I can't say his last name, but it's like got a ski at the end of it. And he's pretty tough. So yeah, yeah. any guy. That the linebacker like, Kwiatowski yeah. is that his name? 44, 44. Okay. Like yeah, yeah, he's a pretty tough guy. Uh, okay, he was tough. <laughs> you gonna seek out Michael Michael Parsons a little bit this weekend or what? Yeah, sure. I would love to. I would love to get my shot on him. You know, just see see how real it is. You know. <laughs> uh, I know you got you got a couple kids. I, I saw some some SpongeBob uh, things from you in the past and Q and As and stuff. If you had to binge a TV show, what would it be? Would it be SpongeBob or would it be something else? Uh, maybe Rocket Power. Rocket Power. Yeah, right? I used to like Rocket Power. It's nineties nineties. Early 2090 show. I love uh, Rocket Power and maybe uh, Hey Arnold. I just like Hey Arnold. Too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> favorite movie of all time? Ooh. Probably all three of the Rush Hours and Money Talk. Any any movie with Chris Tucker in it, that's my okay. favorite. Chris yeah. Tucker's your guy, yeah, huh? Chris Tucker's my guy. That's a nice sleeper because yeah. most people wouldn't grab Chris Tucker right away. Yeah, I love Chris Tucker. I like again. That's kind of like the whole little nineties, nineties, early two thousand era. So I'm yeah. kind of like addicted with that era. Like that was gotcha. Yeah, that was my time. All right, last question. It's been the fun one that we've asked constantly. Uh, so I'll ask you: If you were stranded on an island, give me two teammates you'd take and why. And if you're gonna grab Leonard Williams, tell me three because he's been picked by seemingly everybody. Definitely take Leo. We would have a lot of fun. I'll take Leo. Uh, I'll take Booker, but sometimes Booker gotta, you know, he gotta open up a little bit. So you know, I, I, I got, I got a good with people. I can get him to, you know, talk and you know, have fun. So I'll take Book with me. Book Leo, me. That's already a good combination. And then who would I go with? Me, Book, and Leo. Let me cap it off. Uh, another LA native, Darnay Holmes. Darnay. Between you and Darnay, that might be some yeah, conversations, uh-huh. that's for sure. Yeah, well, and it's a whole Cali connection because then we got Book, myself, and then Darnay. Oh, and Leo, California. So, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, Cal- it's a California thing. <laughs> Always going back to Cali. Yeah, yeah. Eli Penny, thanks yeah. uh, again. Congrats on Sunday, and good luck the rest of the season. Yeah, thank you, boss. Appreciate you, man. And again, a special thanks to Elijah Penny. Eli Penny for joining me this week. He's been making the rounds a little bit on other podcasts, and I just thought it was a good time to bring him on. The Giants had a rough day on Sunday in Los Angeles, but Penny was certainly one of the bright spots, and I do think that he is just one of the best personalities on the team. It's hard to find those guys without locker room access. But Penny is definitely a glue guy on this team. Loved by a lot of his teammates and his coaches. So I think he shared a great great insight into his journey to this league. And as I said to him, the Eli Pennies of the world are not supposed to be in the NFL. Good football players, not necessarily the best at their position, but they do a lot of things well. Usually those guys get swallowed up and spit out on a regular basis. The fact that Penny has lasted five years is a testament to him, his work ethic, uh, and really his ability. And like he said, availability is his best ability. 
and he's available for this team and can play a multi- multitude of roles for the Giants. Uh, he's one of those guys that when the team turns from a bad team to a good team, if you have him on your roster, he's one of the guys that you point to and say, boy, you know, that guy is underrated. And I think Penny is that kind of guy for the Giants. So, again, thanks to Eli for joining me. And I'll turn my attention now to Sunday's game, Giants-Cowboys. According to Typico, the spread is at 10.5. Cowboys are coming in, having beaten Washington. Although that game got close at the end, I'm not really sure if, if Dallas kind of took their foot off the gas offensively. But defensively, they were f- flying all over the field. And that brings us to Micah Parsons. You know, I wrote a story for NorthJersey.com on Wednesday. And you've been hearing a lot about Micah Parsons. There are two issues with Parsons and his emergence this season that I think have caught the imagination of Giants fans. And I wanted to talk about that. Number one is the fact that the Giants obviously had an opportunity to draft Parsons. They did not. They liked him out of Penn State. Obviously, there were some background questions. He had a couple incidents that really needed to be checked out. From everything I was told, he was not taking off, taken off the board completely, but he was not the number one pick on on their board. He was not. He was in the mix, but he was not a guy that they were going to take at eleven. They wanted to trade down once Devontae Smith went to the Eagles. The Giants opted, and I don't think I could blame them. They ended up getting a first round pick by bumping down nine spots to the Bears. They also took Kadarius Tony. So they have Kadarius Tony and that first-round pick from the Bears that right now is sitting at number five overall. You want to look at what Parsons doing right now? I'll go into my story. I'll give you the numbers. We we know he's in line to be the runaway winner of the defensive rookie of the year. He should be in contention, serious contention, for the overall defensive player of the year. And there's just no question that when you watch him on the field, he's the best defensive player on the Cowboys. I know Trayvon Diggs has all those interceptions, but Parsons is is really the player that makes it go, in my opinion. He has a sack in six straight games. And when you look at what he's done, and I'll give you his stats right now, He has 12 sacks overall, leads all rookies, 75 tackles, three forced fumbles. Cowboys are in first place. Parsons, there's no doubt about it that he has had a dynamite start to his career. But I will remind people, you don't know how these things go. Do you need any more reminder of what Saquon Barkley was as a rookie for the Giants and then compare that to what he is right now? Injuries befell him. The impact has not been there. Go down to Washington. Robert Griffin III was going to dominate the division for 10 years. He did not. We know what happened to RG3. So I'm not promising that is what's going to happen to Micah Parsons. He's an outstanding rookie, and he's 
playing extremely well. And if he continues on this pace, he will be someone that the Giants will have headaches about for years to come. But when you you can't fully assess the Giants' decision without seeing who they pick with the Bears' selection next year and ultimately what Kadarius Toney becomes. If Kadarius Toney becomes one of the best slot receivers in football and he figures out a way to stay healthy and to avoid this bad luck that has really been with him this entire year, well, then you can make your choices and decide and see what happens. And I think it's a wait and see. So there's going to be a lot of talk about that. But I do think that from a Giants perspective, they did what they had to do in order to get that extra first round pick. And right now they're sitting, thanks to our friends at Tankathon, they're sitting fifth because of the Bears pick and sixth because of their own pick. That's two top te- two top six picks in next year's draft. Could they go two offensive linemen? Could they go pass rusher and an offensive lineman? Could they trade down from one of those picks and still end up getting more assets to continue to build the foundation of this team? That might ultimately be the way to go, but we'll see. So when you're watching Parsons on Sunday and you're hearing all about the impact that he's having for the Cowboys, just keep in mind that you don't know the other end of that trade. For the cow for the Giants just yet. And let's wait and see before we start saying that the Giants botched their future by not selecting Micah Parsons. It could turn out that way. But right now, hold for, firm and remember before that draft, all that was being talked about is how the Giants should have t- traded down to get another first round pick. They did that. It's worked out wonderfully to have the Bears a potential top-five pick. Who knows what Justin Fields will become in Chicago, but that top-five pick, that's that's pretty rich. And as much as Micah Parsons has been outstanding to this point, let's pump the brakes on that just right now. For right now. You want to tell me in three years and where they're at and Kadarius Toney doesn't become the player the Giants hope he can be? and they botch the top five pick, well, then, you know what? Then they deserve that criticism. Murphy's Law will tell you, the way things have gone this decade for the Giants since Super Bowl forty-six, that that's what is going to happen. I can't get there yet. I can't criticize them for that, for who they took with the top five pick until they actually select someone. And then you watch that player play. The other thing I'd tap the brakes on just slightly, and you're probably going to hear it a lot on Sunday, is the comparison between Micah Parsons and Lawrence Taylor. Now, that'll anger Giants fans to no end. Anytime you compare really anyone in NFL history, especially recent NFL history, to Lawrence Taylor, uh, it kind of gets laughed off. The last player to win the Defensive Rookie of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year was Lawrence Taylor in 1981. So that's part of where the comparison is coming from. But I thought it was interesting that Bruce Arians on the Dan Patrick show made the point of 
saying, slow it down. Don't compare Parsons to LT just yet. And another person who did that, which was really surprising, was Jerry Jones. The Cowboys owner actually said, let's not go there. In an interview with the fan in Dallas, he just basically said he wouldn't make those comparisons. And, quote, he doesn't really have to have a comparison at this point. That's the kind of production he's having on the field. So... When Parsons himself says he kind of wants to be compared to himself, there's a little part of it of, you know, maybe a little bit of shade thrown towards Lawrence Taylor. Don't compare me to Lawrence Taylor. I'm Micah Parsons. But overall, I think we're just getting it way ahead of ourselves right now in terms of where Parsons is and where Lawrence Taylor was and the impact that Lawrence Taylor had on this league. So, just a few words about this game. I have a hard time finding a way for Mike Glennon to win this game for the Giants. Yes, maybe we'll see Jake Fromm some, but I don't see that being the answer as well. I have a hard time seeing this defense or this offensive line slowing down Dallas's strengths. So, Look, 10.5 I don't think is is too much to give up if I'm the Cowboys. I, I think this one has a potential of getting ugly on Sunday. And I'm sure you're listening to this and you probably say, yeah, no kidding. Um, that's just where the Giants are right now. And it, it's going to be a rough finish to this season. They're going to have to play a lot better and take advantage of a lot more chances if they're going to have any chance of picking up a couple more wins here before this season is out. Will Daniel Jones play again this year? He's still not cleared for contact. So to say that he will right now, I think is, is just taking it a little too far being optimistic. I don't think necessarily it's a negative to say that he's not cleared for contact just yet. This could just be something that's healing his neck injury. He's going through the process of getting images every week, having specialists look at those images and go from there. I've heard nothing about surgery. I've heard nothing about shutting him down completely for the season. In fact, on Wednesday, he was out there in practice. He's throwing the ball around. He's just not cleared for, for contact. So until he gets cleared for contact, which may or may not come over the next four weeks. That's where they're at with Daniel Jones. So that'll do it for this week's show. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Eli Penny. We'll try to muster something up for next week. It'll be tough with the holidays, but we will see what we can do. Make sure you pass the word along. Continue to listen and subscribe to All In. You know our commitment to the coverage of the New York Giants. Good, bad, or indifferent, we're there, we're all in. We appreciate the fact that you're all in as well.